I'm just going to read some verses from the end of Romans in the New Testament, at the end of chapter 8, about God's will. Romans 8, 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. So, wow. Um, wasn't it uh, just beautiful to be led in worship and um, the Christian farmers did a, an awesome job and I'm so thankful for all the all the prep that they, that the bunker team are on this morning just to enable us to be together as God's church. Uh, so if you've got a Bible this morning, I'd love you to turn to the book of Acts. Uh, if you've jumped onto this and you don't normally do church, then uh, the best website for the Bible I know is biblegateway.com, biblegateway.com. It can give you every single translation, including Japanese, Mongolian, Arabic, whatever you prefer. Um, but then just simply put in Acts chapter 1, Book of Acts chapter 1. If you found an old Bible, it comes immediately after the Gospels, Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 1 through to verse 5. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he, Jesus, presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So, Father, thank you for the, the gift of your written word in the scriptures. Uh, thank you so much that Jesus Christ, you've called your living word. Uh, and thank you that he is here and with us. And I pray now, Jesus, by your spirit, that you would speak to all of our hearts, that you would reveal your truth, your ways, and release your life in all its abundance afresh in our hearts. And I pray that what is from me would be forgotten and what is of God would be implanted and would take root and grow into real spiritual fruit. And I pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Well, what I want to talk about for a few moments is uh, what I'm going to call as my title, Being Households of Faith. Being Households of Faith. 
and this morning is completely different uh, for all of us. You know, uh, there's no football going on. There's no rugby. There's no, uh, well, uh, potentially not much shopping. Uh, and church is completely different from anything that we've known and experienced. Uh, one word that all the politicians have been using this week is unprecedented. And that the times that we're living in are unprecedented. And what that essentially means is none of us have experienced anything like this ever before. And just to put a, a different angle on this, you know, from a church perspective, in days gone by, uh, churches have only been closed uh, in specific areas. So, for example, in the war, uh, when there's been uh, localized epidemics before, churches have been closed in certain areas, in certain cities. But the last time uh, to go back to a national closure of public worship, uh, a national closure of public worship, here's a bit of pub trivia for you. Uh, you have to go back to the year 1215. 1215 was the last time that nationally churches were closed for public worship. And of course, we're not closed. We're open and alive and well, but for public worship uh, under suspension. And that was basically a dispute between the Pope at the time and King, the King at the time, King John. Uh, they fell out and the Pope said, right, boom, I'm closing all your churches. Um, 12, 15. So all that to say, we really are living in the most extraordinary, uh, remarkable, uh, unprecedented and challenging of times. Uh, and times that actually none of us will ever forget. We'll probably always look back to the time where we were responding to and living in the moment that uh, coronavirus uh, impacted the whole world and certainly our country. And, uh, you know, this has been a, a, a pretty chaotic week all round. You know, uh, all of us will have been touched by this. Uh, school shutting, uh, People advised to stay at home and avoid non-essential contact. Uh, people encouraged to work from home. People we know facing real challenges to their livelihoods, to their work and their income uh, being either suspended or reduced uh, or even lost for some. And many in our country experiencing anxiety, fear for loved ones or themselves, uh, fear for family members uh, and uh, for many of us uh, running our businesses or at work uh, facing uh, what we don't know yet, which is the true economic impact uh, of what's going on. So many uncertainties and so much uh, unknown. And uh, just before we turn to the Acts scripture reading, I just wanted to touch on probably three or four uh, of the main sort of areas of questions that I've been fielding and getting uh, this week um, by email, uh, messaging, um, you know, phone calls, uh, whatever. Uh, the main questions uh, that people have got during this uh, whole um, crazy episode uh, essentially fall into about four categories. Uh, the first is kind of where is God in this? And as a sub uh, sort of question, you know, is, is kind of God behind coronavirus? Um, and what do we make of some of the sort of conspiracy theories flying around online uh, and things like that? 
the second area kind of related is, you know, what is God doing in this? Uh, and where is God? Um, and really the sort of third uh, main area is about how we, how we can, as I read from uh, the letter of Romans, how we can be more than conquerors, how we can overcome fear and anxiety. Uh, and really, I guess, uh, close to my heart is what role can we play as the church during this period? Um, and I'm going to touch on one or two of those now and then pick up some of those as we look at the scriptures uh, from the book of Acts uh, this morning uh, and think about being households of faith in this whole um, moment that we find ourselves in as a country. I guess the first uh, place I'm going to start is, um, is God behind coronavirus? And that might seem like a wild question to to some of us, um, but maybe not to all of us. And again, the, the best way of, of facing questions like this, when they crop up, questions to, to faith and questions about God, uh, is always to turn to the scriptures. Um, they've been read uh, and in circulation for, you know, 1700 years and more. Uh, and so they kind of lift us out of our temporary, uh, very recent um, wisdom that we inherit as a, as a society, uh, because they've been read for, for centuries and millions and millions of people and still today have found them not only to carry wisdom and truth, but also to carry something beyond this world, uh, something divine, uh, which we believe is God's truth and God's wisdom. And indeed, as uh, the Apostle Paul referred to the Bible, to the scriptures um, in some of his writings in the New Testament, that we actually find when we read them that they are indeed God breathed. And in the first half of the Bible in the Old Testament, uh, what we do from time to time see is uh, times of disease and pestilence being a consequence for human beings living away from God. And that really goes back to our ancestral stories from Adam and Eve, where as they turned away from doing life with God, the consequences for this was the entry of what Christians call sin into the world. And sin is something that doesn't just infect our lives personally and our lives emotionally and spiritually, uh, but affects our lives physically. And also, according to the narrative of the Bible, affects creation and the world that we live in. And the amazing thing when you look at the scriptures is not only to look at scripture as a whole, but then to remember that the person revealed at the center of the scriptures is Jesus Christ, God's own son. And Jesus uh, comes to us through the scriptures and through the witness that we've been handed down, had handed down to us through generations. Jesus comes to us not only reflecting and being an image of what God is like, but Jesus comes to us as the one who perfectly reveals the exact nature and character of God fully. So in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, uh, the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is, is the exact representation of God's being. So when we look at Jesus, 
we find a lot of answers to the questions about what God is like. So what we find in Jesus is him never inflicting disease in order to discipline or even teach and mold people. Uh, what we find is Jesus doing the complete opposite is healing people from diseases. Uh, and certainly in our church, we find him doing exactly the same stuff today, healing people every week uh, as we as we minister in his name. But what we also find uh, when we read the story of Jesus in the Gospels is that Jesus laid down his life and he made the ultimate payment or what Jesus referred to himself as the ransom for sin. And so when he died 2000 years ago and gave up his own life, he was making a ransom payment for every single human being who's lived before him and every single person who was going to live after him for all of time, who by faith can, when they trust in Jesus and what he did for them 2,000 years ago when he died on a cross at a rubbish dump outside Jerusalem, what happened is Jesus paid for the forgiveness of our sins, for the healing of our diseases, and for the beginning of the restoration of the whole planet. And one of the reasons we find uh, disease and natural disasters in the world today is because the planet is broken. Our world today can be stunningly beautiful in some places and stunningly terrifying in other places because it doesn't work how it should. And indeed, in the book of Romans, uh, which uh, the Apostle Paul wrote um, in chapter 8, it says and it describes the whole world is in the bonds of decay until now. And what he's saying is basically for those who put their trust in Jesus Christ, we are born again, we become part of God's family, and then what happens is we're then recipients of God's life and his restorative redeeming work to the whole planet and so what that basically means is that not only is uh, do we receive forgiveness and healing personally but we become carriers of life and blessing and healing to the world and land itself you know we've seen this in our area locally you know if you talk to people who've lived in this area for for many years, they would say that the land where we live used to carry a sense of foreboding and fear and dread at times. And I tell you what, as Christian people have prayed and worshipped God in this land, now we're seeing many, many people have their lives restored, find hope where we live. Uh, there's a whole, whole sort of birthing of God's life and creativity and and lives being fixed up and put back together just because people are worshiping and praying and doing exactly what Romans 8 says, which is uh, that the whole of creation is waiting for the children of God to arise in glory. And that's what we're being called to do and what's going on. So listen, just to put that very, very simply now, God is not behind coronavirus. But what Romans 8 goes on to say is that in all things, in all things, in all situations, God always works for the good of those who love him. 
And so listen, I just want to say that, you know, whatever crisis we're facing in all things, we can be confident and we can know that God in Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit, is working in all these things and he's going to bring good out of it. And he is going to bring hope out of it. And he's going to bring restoration out of it. And he is going to uh, work for the benefit and blessing of all of us. So, um, you know, just be encouraged. Um, is that good? I'm getting excited here. So let me just have a quick drink. There are a whole bunch of crazy things online. And uh, the internet, I always think, is a bit like, having a, a pet lion, <laughs> majestic, glorious to, you know, observe uh, from time to time. But be careful when you get too close to it, because it may turn on you at any moment. So I just want to say, listen, for any sort of conspiracy, crazy stuff out there, I just want to say there are a, a few very, very small verses in the Bible uh, that talk about us being aware of the schemes of the enemy. Very, very small verses. And there's a massive amount about what God is doing in the nations of the world and what his plans are. So I would just encourage us, let's not fix on what may or may not be happening or what may or may not be going wrong, but let's try and fix our eyes on what God is doing in this situation and fix our eyes on Jesus Christ who's the author and perfecter of our faith. And I, and, and I think, you know, in terms of what, what God is doing, um, I think in many ways, this is a bit of a reset button moment for us all. A reset moment in terms of just looking very honestly at our lives, a reset moment in terms of how we do family and how we live together. Uh, a reset moment in terms of how we practice and live out our faith in God. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a reset button in terms of some of maybe the habits and practices and maybe even idols of 21st century living that, you know, if we're honest and, and step back from, need to be challenged and need to be looked at differently. Um, you know, how many in our culture complain about how fast paced life is and yet we never rest or practice sabbath properly you know how many of us long to spend more time with the people we love or well, hey we're being released to certainly spend more time with the people we live under our roofs with uh, and let's use you know the internet as a tool to connect with those that we love you know maybe god will teach us to slow down and to be really thankful for small things, to be thankful for each meal, and to be thankful for the day that it is, which is gloriously full of sunshine, to be thankful uh, for the blessing of the scriptures and to be able to pray, uh, to be thankful as we reflect on our lives and worship him for the good things that he's doing. Maybe it's time that we got a bit more neighborly focused and connected with those we actually live by and live near to. Maybe it's time to appreciate the world that he's given us and the magnificence of creation and try and glimpse some of his glory in it. Maybe it's time to get a bit better at, at play, at wasting time, 
I don't know about you, but we're so planned and intentional all the time. And suddenly, you know, within six days, all the plans go out the window. And we've got to get a bit better at going with the flow and trusting God and placing our lives in his hands. And you know what? I pray that we will grow into really being powerful, loving households of faith. You know, what we're entering into is a situation a bit more like uh, the spreading of Christianity in some of the real early days of the faith, where it spread not through uh, historic buildings or cathedrals, but it spread really through the transmission of households finding Jesus, coming alive, being born again and filled with the Spirit, and then transmitting it through their daily lives, through their daily habits and practices, and the faith just spreading household to household. And uh, I just want to kind of, you know, turn to this concept. And that's why I picked uh, the book of Acts today. I know we're round the corner from Easter, uh, and it might be feel a bit weird to be reading Acts, which comes after the narrative uh, and history of Jesus. Uh, but I just, I think one thing is that without, in some ways, church as much to rely on, you know, this is a huge opportunity for us to grow in maturity, for us to grow in our faith, for us to be households, not only living this stuff out and worshiping God, but households who are looking beyond ourselves around us to how we can serve and bless and love not only the people under our roofs, but the people on our streets that we live amongst. So let me just turn for a few moments to Acts uh, chapter one. I'm going to look at the first five verses and, uh, it's quite cool because this is a lockdown passage of scripture. This is a shutdown moment where essentially Jesus orders his disciples to go into a locked room, to go to Jerusalem and wait and to be together. There are a few more than just a household, probably 120, maybe a few more. Uh, but Jesus locked it all down. So there's some resonance with us here. And um, here's what we find. And if you're listening or reading the scriptures, maybe uh, afresh or not for a long time or for the first time even, uh, then this comes immediately after uh, the Gospels. This comes after the life and ministry and teachings of Jesus, the death, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And it, it's picking up just before Jesus uh, ascends back into heaven. Verse one, in the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So just to sort of explain what's going on here, uh, this is being written by Luke, the same Luke who wrote the gospel of Luke. Uh, and so even though in the Bible, John comes in between Luke and the book of Acts, really, it's kind of written as one one double piece, uh, a two parter. Um, and Luke here is referring to his gospel. Uh, the recipient is the same audience, Theophilus, who is not a Jewish guy, not someone schooled in the things of the faith. He's a um, 
a Greek, he's a, a Gentile, he's someone outside of where Christianity first was birthed amongst the Jewish people. Um, and Luke is basically giving him, um, as he refers to in his gospel, an orderly account. He's setting out for someone who's not used to the things of God. He's setting out exactly what happened and trying to do it in such a way that Theophilus can uh, not only understand this, but have it in a sequential, almost historical, orderly uh, account to this. And the focus of the gospel, Luke's gospel, is, as I've just explained, all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning, from his incarnation, his birth, which you'll read about at length at the start of Luke's gospel, all that he taught and ministered in, all that he said and did in his life, uh, until the day where Luke's gospel actually finishes at his ascension, uh, whereas the book of Acts slightly zooms back a little bit, uh, but Luke's gospel finishes with the disciples together and Jesus ascending into heaven, which uh, you'll read as you come on to a few verses later in chapter one in our passage today. Uh, so, and he's basically saying um, Luke is uh, 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 giving instructions in the gospel uh, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles who were going to basically launch uh, the faith and take this to all nations. Um, and uh, what we pick up here in the book of Acts is a bit of final last minute instructions. Here's the plan, guys, before I go up to heaven. And what Jesus hits, the resurrected Jesus, he hits now with his first followers. He hits basically again the major thing that he's been hitting in Luke's gospel, that he hits in Matthew's gospel and in Mark's gospel. The theme is the kingdom of God, the realm of heaven, which Jesus has been talking about. He's been demonstrating in his life and which he's been bringing to earth through his ministry, through his authoritative teaching, through the acts of healing the sick, through cleansing lepers, through multiplying food. This is all the stuff which reflects what heaven is like and reflects exactly how he taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, that thy kingdom would come, the kingdom of heaven would come on earth where we are and live, as it is in heaven. And Jesus is giving some final instructions about heavenly ways, heavenly ways of being and living to his disciples, because they're basically meant to lay hold of this and then boom it in the earth from henceforth when he ascends. And it's to spread right across the Mediterranean world to every single nation. Verse three, after his suffering, Jesus' suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them for 40 days, and during that time speaking about the kingdom of God, as I've just been describing. Now here I just want to pick up um, one of the questions that's been coming into me uh, just over the past few days, which is, listen, how can we shine a different light to the message in our media and the message in our culture, in our society right now? How can we, in our lives, overcome fear and anxiety and really be carriers of faith, hope, and love? How can we face the real challenges of life, which in very real ways 
are causing uh, real and deep challenge to us? How can we look at those not with fear and a sense of anxiousness and foreboding, uh, but how can we uh, be responsive to essentially the main command of the New Testament, which is to not be afraid? And here we have it here in verse three. Do you know the grounds for us not being afraid other than being commanded not to in scripture? But what, what's the real foundation for us not living in fear and having boldness and finding faith and strength in God? The grounds of this, the foundation stone of this is actually in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, as I've referred to earlier, Jesus was the Son of God. But one of the titles Jesus gave to himself when he was ministering and teaching was that he referred to himself, and it's an Old Testament description, but he referred to himself as the Son of Man, the Son of People. And what Jesus was doing in some ways was aligning himself with every single human being. He came as one of us. And he did what we could not do when he made a, a ransom payment on the cross, which set us free from the wages of sin and death. But when he rose again, three days later, which we'll celebrate in two weeks time at Easter, when he rose again, what he was demonstrating and releasing was eternal life, life which begins at the grave which is now empty and which never never ever ends and what that meant for Jesus is that he was resurrected physically and that meant that he became more real even than the bricks and mortar that he passed through when he appeared to the disciples when they were in the locked room in fear of their lives uh, not quite understanding that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. Jesus was physically resurrected and he ascended on high after spending 40 days showing himself to his first followers. And we can trust in the truth of the resurrection and it really happening because the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Jesus appeared to well over 500 people. And Luke here writes in the book of Acts that he showed himself to them with many convincing proofs. Proofs like eating meals with them. Proofs like when they asked, Lord, can we touch you? And Jesus literally let them touch his side where he'd been pierced with the spear. And he let them touch the marks on his hands where he'd been nailed to the cross and on his feet where they crucified him. But now he was alive and he was living and, uh, and breathing. And he showed himself to so many people. And that was written on these documents that could have been disproved so easily as fake news. Um, but yet still they weren't. They weren't criticized or disproved. And in fact, so many people since then have actually believed that this Jesus really was resurrected and have given their lives and still are today, not only to following Jesus and really having been raised from the dead, but also sometimes, and as it was for the first Christians, at great personal cost. They laid their lives down to say, I'm a Christian. 
because they believed that Jesus really had been raised from the dead and everything that he taught suddenly was verified and suddenly became true. Oh my goodness, this is not only the son of God, this is the son of man and he's been been raised from the dead. And what that meant is that when Jesus said on the way, the truth and the life, that this everlasting life, which now by faith we can receive, comes into our hearts for every person who puts faith in Jesus. And it means that eternal life begins now. It begins now spiritually in our lives. And, you know, even, you know, many ways, physically to some extent. But when our our bodies wear out at their normal lifespan, then what that means is our life won't mean that we die, but we'll just go into a different place where our eternal life will continue and God will close us with a body which will never wear out. Or as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, which is now incorruptible, clothed with the same flesh like Jesus, resurrected flesh, and we will live forever. Now, let me just kind of say how that applies to fear for us now. I mean, you know, behind all of our anxieties as we face circumstances in this life, essentially, is fear, whether it's fear for the future, fear for our provisions, fear for ourselves, fear for our loved ones. Behind all of that, essentially, is, oh my goodness, a fear of the worst happening and a fear of death. And what happens is, is Luke is writing at the beginning of Acts, this guy Jesus, he showed us through convincing proofs that he was raised, that he was raised from the dead, and therefore we have nothing to fear because we are beginning eternal life now. And we may lose our grip on some of the things that we hold to. But I tell you what, if we know loved ones around us who are, who are feeling really anxious about coronavirus and COVID-19, I'm telling you what, you, you just got to share with them that Jesus is so real. And I do this many, many times when I see people who are close to the end of their lives and I'm taking funerals around our parish. I say, listen, do you know Jesus? Because I tell you what, there comes a day for all of us, myself included, where life, life comes to an end as we know it, but eternal life doesn't. And, you know, we can begin that now by faith and know the joy of heaven, know the peace of heaven, know the hope of heaven. And you know what? When this life ends as we know it, we enter into glory. We enter into full communion, face to face with him. And so, my goodness, let's reach out and share this Jesus at this time for all those who may be worried. Because I tell you what, the rug has been pulled from a lot of our securities, but there is one who never fails and one who's overcome death itself. And I tell you what, this isn't just a wager. This is putting our trust in Jesus who has released to us eternal life here and now and showed himself through convincing proofs. So let's put our trust and our hope in him. And do you know what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, doesn't he? Do you remember chapter 1 verse 21? What this all means for, for us now is that for us to live is Christ. It means, come on, what else is there to do in response to him but to give everything that we are and everything that we have? Come on, let's be Jesus to all those around us. 
And if we die, then it's gain. And we get to be with him forever. And please hear me, I'm not being glib about the dangers or the um, the worries of that. We need to respect and honour the leadership of our governments and play our part to, you know, just live well at this time under the leadership of our government in the nation. But, my goodness, we don't have to be afraid. We do not have to be afraid. For us to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then verse 4. Here's our lockdown verse. Uh, While staying with them, Jesus ordered the disciples not to leave Jerusalem. They were in lockdown. They were in shutdown. And for them, it only lasted 10 days. But by all earthly reports, it's going to be a bit longer for us. Um, But he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Not many days from now. Listen, as I was saying earlier, life is going to be different. We are going to be in our households more. We are going to be spending more time waiting. We're going to have more time on our hands. And you know what? Let's press into God. Let's open our hearts to him. Because I tell you what, as, as some of the things that many in our society hold too dear in life are being shaken and disrupted, I'm telling you, you know, God is alive. God is real. God is on the move. And he is wanting to be present. And he is wanting us as the church to be ready to shine light, to shine hope, to shine the good news of who he is. And so he wants to, I believe, pour out his spirit in a mighty way, in a powerful way on us as church and right across the land to awaken it to the good news that there is hope that stretches beyond all that life can muster, all the intelligence that life can come up with. There is hope. There is life beyond the grave. And God wants to release a baptism a fresh filling, a fresh pouring of his spirit on us as a nation. And I just want to say, you know, even as we're almost instructed to wait to be more present in our households, let's be expectant for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come upon us in power for the purposes that you'll read in verse 8, that we would be witnesses here in Ashington, Washington, Whiston, here in the South Downs, here in this wonderful, beautiful land of Sussex, here right across the planet, that we would be the good news of God. We'd be witnesses to Jesus where we are. And so I just want to sort of um, close with a few sort of questions for us in our households, Um, because, you know, we as a team, uh, we want to be ready and serving our communities uh, but also uh, I guess in our in our households um, I just want us uh, what I'm trying to say is sorry let me <laughs> let me try and be clear what I'm trying to say is we will be trying to provide some really um, good online resources and content but you know what we're not going to scatter gun you with tons and tons and tons 
because I, I think my sense is, um, and for Louise and I, what we really hope and pray is that we will each in our households grow ourselves and take the opportunity to really rise up in maturity, to practice this faith as home church, as house church, as households of faith at this time, exactly like it was in the early days of Christianity, that we will really practice this and um, we can, we'll try and equip you, but the purpose is not to really, I guess, give you lots of stuff centrally from us, but to equip us all to become households of faith as we wait on God, we spend time with him together with the people that we love and are safely able to share life with. So a few, a few questions for you um, as you might just want to enter a new way of being uh, in your household in the days to come. Number one, the headline is how, you know, maybe just discuss this or even have this discussion with yourself if you live on your own. Uh, or pick up the phone to anybody else who may be on their own and, and just chat this around. Uh, chat about it in your kingdom family community or, or your home group. How can we be households of faith? How are we going to do this differently? How can we respond with creativity and hope and faith to what's going on? How can we pray together? How can we connect with God together? You know, is there going to be a good time, you know, even with maybe a different work rhythm or school rhythm? Is there going to be a time in the day where we as a household pause and connect with God, worship him, pray together, read from the scriptures, bless one another, pray for one another. Let's make that time, connect with God and to be in his presence. How can we serve other people how can we serve those around us you know it may be that we need to ring people it may be that we need to you know reach out using uh the internet uh using online platforms uh w whatever it is how can we serve one another how can we offer our time and help where we can appropriately uh to volunteer and help people out you know and i've said all the ways of doing that and how can we live well you know, how can we be more open? How can we not just carpet bomb our lives with Netflix and, you know, Amazon Prime video? You know, how can we maybe pick up one or two new disciplines? You know, is it time to get the paints out? Is it time to, um, as was going on in our house this morning, very loudly, uh, get the sewing machine out? Um, as the kids made mermaids outfits, as you do. <laughs> um, is it time to, you know, uh, get out and grow some stuff in our gardens where we can? Uh, is it time to talk more and switch off and connect? Um, you know, talk about memories, talk about reflections on what's going on. Is it time to just connect and be together and converse? Uh, is it time to stand together in prayer and pray for those around us. And I just want to point you also to how we're going to pray for our land um, and our nation is uh, this evening we're going to join in with the National Day of Prayer uh, and the details on our website at 7pm. And uh, in our house, we're having a bonfire. 
but uh, what the archbishops and what other church leaders from across the denominations are doing is saying, put a candle out on your doorstep and, uh, you know, let's be, let's be out there and praying and taking responsibility as God's church to say, no, coronavirus, land and people be healed and protected. And let's intercede for all those who are facing real challenges. And then what I'd love to encourage us to do is to read a chapter of the book of Acts every day. So tomorrow, Monday, the 23rd of March, let's read the whole of chapter one from the book of Acts. And I've opened a few verses from it today. Tuesday, the 24th, let's read chapter two, Wednesday, chapter three, Thursday, chapter four. You know, talk about it, read it, you know, pull out the bits that you don't understand, wrestle with them, think about them, you know, reach out to others and try and work out what that might mean and try and understand it, correspond it with other parts of the Bible. You know, um, Matthew Henry is a really good commentator uh, to search online, Matthew Henry. He's pretty old school, so he's got some thick stuff, uh, but he's, uh, he's fire in terms of how we understand the scriptures. Matthew Henry, you can get a lot of his stuff online. Uh, but also, uh, Tom Wright is just awesome uh, in terms of just some easy to understand everyday commentaries on this stuff. And I know many of us uh, use and appreciate his stuff already. Tom Wright, he's a Church of England bishop, um, and uh, he's really cool. Uh, but tomorrow, let's all read the book of Acts. Let's all read that in our households. Let's be households of faith reading the scriptures, but, uh, chapter one tomorrow, uh, chapter two on Tuesday, etc., etc. Boom. I think that's probably uh, enough for me. And I'm going to have a glass of water or a sip of, um, a sip of my drink. Uh, and then we're going to break bread. So you might just want to lay hold of some bread and some wine where you are at home. And I'm going to lead us in a simple breaking bread. And then we're going to close up together. Yeah, what a joy to be together and uh, to gather as God's church. Changtabri, anyone watching beyond, anyone in our communities or tuning into this? Luke Christian Farman, our worship pastor, uh, texted me to say his mum is watching. So, hello, Luke's mum. <laughs> Changtonbury, may the peace of the Lord be always with you. May we be those who walk in peace, who live in a peace which passes all human understanding. And in our households of faith, may peace, the peace of God, the peace of Jesus, be the distinguishing characteristic that rests on our homes and fills our lives. And even as we come to uh, break bread together, we remember, Lord Jesus, that you gathered in a room with those you loved, your disciples, on the night that you were betrayed, and you took bread and you broke it. And you gave it to the disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
And we just want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you laid down your life, that you gave your body, that your flesh was broken and bruised, that your blood was shed, that we could find forgiveness and healing and reconciliation to the Father through your broken body. And we just give you our thanks and our praise. At the end of supper, with those that he loved, Jesus took the cup and he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And again, we just say thank you, Lord Jesus. As they pierced your side with a spear and as blood and water poured out, as you gave up your last breath and cried out, it is finished, we give you thanks and praise. We offer you our lives afresh. We give you all the honour and the glory. And we say thank you, thank you, thank you. And Father, even as we uh, receive these uh, gifts to us of bread and wine, uh, as we eat them ourselves in our households of faith, may they be to us the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. May you fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit as we receive, and may you build us up in the likeness of Christ. As we drink your blood, may, may it be like when the Hebrew people of God smeared the blood of the Lamb over the doorposts of their homes, that death would pass over, and that they would be protected as we receive. May you protect every home, not only those in church who align themselves with Christianity, but all of our communities. May our land be protected as we receive as the church of Jesus Christ today. May the land be protected from evil, from suffering, from disease, and from sickness. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together, which you should receive uh, on your screen now. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us all, we pray, from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And so, brothers and sisters, draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Receive the body and blood broken for you, and eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you and shed his blood for you. Feed on him today at home in your households of faith where you are, by faith with thanksgiving, and receive from him his very life itself. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're doing this at home, let's receive with those around us where we are.
Thank you, Jesus. So even as we receive, I'm just going to pray just God's blessing just over, over us all. Father, I just want to pray that as we receive bread and wine, as we proclaim what you did, uh, how you died, how you rose again, how we live by faith in the new covenant, we just bless our land. I want to pray for every family, every household facing extreme challenge, that you would provide, that you would protect, that you would build every home up in your love and in your peace, that we might find uh, a measure of your joy as we face this, and that you might protect us from harm, that you might protect us from evil, you might protect us from all disease. Father, may uh, we find new ways of being together, and may you bless us and keep us and cause your face to shine upon us. May you turn the light of your countenance towards us, and this day and every day, may we walk in your wonderful, wonderful peace. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's give thanks together using a prayer which will appear on your screen now. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us so that we and all your children shall be free and the whole earth live to praise your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. We're going to draw to a close, so I'm going to pray a final prayer of blessing. We've got a, a little um, funny as we close, and then we'll go offline and into our days. What a joy to be together. Uh, just want to say on behalf of uh, Louise and I, on behalf of the church leadership, we love you. We are caring for you. We're with you. We are carrying faith for this situation. We want to be Jesus as a whole community right across this area. We want to be his hands and feet. We want to live his risen life as we just prayed. And may we as the church of Jesus rise up in faith, hope and love. May our households ooze and emanate the light, the life and the glory of Jesus in these days. That we might be beacons of hope. That we might shine light in the darkness. That we might bring hope and joy and peace and reconciliation and um, everything that is in heaven right across the earth now in the name of Jesus. And as we close, the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, may he rest upon our households. May he rest upon all those we love and are standing for in prayer at this time. And may he indeed rest upon our very lives itself. Amen. Chanctonbury, anybody tuning in, anybody right across this land, 
go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Love you all. God bless you all. We will see you uh, very shortly. We'll see you next weekend. We hope to be in Ashington Church. God bless you all. Go well. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Leva uma coisinha. Leva um bocadinho bem espalhadinho. Joga uma coisinha da água. Para ficar alisando, para escorregar, para alisar. Pronto. Pronto. Tá feita a sua esteira. Só isso. Como é que você vai fazer o exercício? Assim, ó. Ó. Aí. Você faz o exercício. Vai. Meia horinha, né? Com meia hora você tá com a barriguinha seca. Bonitinha, não precisa se preocupar. Pode aumentar a velocidade se você quiser. Você aperta aqui no botão. Vai aumentar a velocidade. Vai aumentando. Quanto mais você apertar, mais você vai. Correndo.